Welcome to Quilt and Tell, where quilters who love all aspects of the craft, from traditional and contemporary to art and modern, share their passion and perspectives on all things quilty. I'm Tracy Mooney. I'm Lori Baker. And I'm Ginger Sheehy Tai. Today's theme is Quilting the Quilt. First up, we share a question from a listener. Then, in our open studio segment, our guest is international teacher and award-winning quilter, Katherine Redford. Our Fine Finishes segment is sponsored by Handy Quilter, and we actually have a special guest today. The amazingly talented Debbie Brown is here to answer, answer the controversial question, can a quilt be a quilt without using ribbon candy? And if so, is it really any good? So stay tuned. Hello, ladies. How are you? Doing Hi. well. How about you, Tracy? I am hanging in there. Nice. Yes. No, I think we're all p- plugging along. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's becoming normal to be inside all the time. Yeah, I'm still not liking it, but yeah, I guess we're, we're starting <laughs> to get into the routine, which is right. really, it, I guess there's, there's comfort in that at least. <laughs> yes. And how is everything going with you, Lori? You, you sheltering in place all right? We're doing fine. We have a little backyard and I go out a couple of times a day and sit on the wall in the backyard and kind of breathe and have sunshine and it's okay. I have dogs to walk, so that's helpful. Yep, I'm getting to know all the the neighborhood dogs and all the people from a distance, but we all wave and like, okay, we're out again. <laughs> um, my my son actually came to shelter in place with us, and he's a chef, so he's out of work right now. Um, but he made dinner last night, and oh. it was amazing. What did I he bet make? It was better than mine. <laughs> And he just like whipped it together with like what I had in the kitchen. Oh, <laughs> so man. So what that. did he make? What was he, it? I'm curious. He made this really yummy um, pasta with a, so I guess I'll back check. So there's a recipe that I used to make when he was growing up that was um, based on a recipe from this uh, restaurant in Chicago called Carmine's. And it was a broccoli rob and sausage um sauce for a pasta and it was like a it's kind of a it's more of it's not really even really a sauce it's really you just cook up the vegetables and the sausage and there's kind of a broth to it and then it's tossed with or or oricetti pasta and um so i happened to pick up this um uh it was a guatemalan sausage at the store that I had never seen before. And I thought, well, let's just give it a try. What else do we have to do but be at home? And uh, so that was one of the things we had. And he saw it and he saw I had a bag of spinach and I had some asparagus. And he was like, hey, how about I put this together with pasta like that dish you used to make? Except it was better than anything I have ever made in my life. <laughs> the, the, so, what is it? The student has become the master? Uh, <laughs> well, he went to the Culinary Institute of America. And oh. so he's like an amazing chef. He's only 23. Um, but he works at a Michelin star restaurant. And so this is the first time we've had him cook since he's been working at the really upscale restaurant. And, um, and so he topped it with, he made a crema it was a little bit spicy because the only, usually you use like red pepper flakes. He used these Thai bird chilies that I just happened to have in the house. And then he made a crema to like make it not as spicy that he made with some cream and some cream cheese. And I think a little feta, it was just delicious we gobbled it up like he made us huge bowls and we ate it all <laughs> so, oh my goodness that, was, that sounds amazing <laughs> that was one nice thing that's happened this week so it's nice just having him here with us because it makes me feel a little better because he um you know was living he lives in the city and um so he really doesn't have anyone to any family nearby that they're not that far away but still it's kind of a distance so so glad he's home safe me too me too all right so we got a letter from a listener this week that actually had a question are you guys ready to listen to the letter and then give us your best answer you bet all right cool cool all right 
Here's the letter. Tracy, Lori, and Ginger. My beloved children have so many quilts, they think changing the quilt on their bed is a monthly occasion. I need to store the extra quilts in their closets. I like to have a bag to store them in so I can stack them and keep them dust free. What is your favorite pattern for quilt storage? Also, I would like to make the quilt storage as I make the other pieces of the quilt. My order is quilt top, the fun part, quilt back, least favorite part, binding, which I wind on a paper towel tube, quilt label, matching throw pillow with extra blocks if I have them, matching pillowcase with scraps if I have them, and a quilt storage bag. I have been slowly building up this complete set over the years. I put the pieces in a sheet storage bag until the quilt is quilted. I find the quilt podcast restful to listen to, and I caught up while I had a cold and was napping more, and I had to keep repeating episodes because I would drift off. (laughs) Sincerely, Jeannie Palmer. And hopefully I pronounce her name right. Um, But are her kids like the luckiest kids on the planet? You are or not what? kidding. Oh my that goodness. That was my thought. <laughs> these, these youngsters, you know, they just right? don't <laughs> they, they don't even know how good they've got it. Exactly. Oh. So the my initial thought as I read this was how ideal it would be if you made the quilt storage bag in the same fabrics that you use in the quilt because if there's ever a problem with like you you know the quilt gets a tear or a pet chews it or something like that you have the fabrics ready to repair it i love that Mm -hmm. i think that's brilliant that's Mm -hmm. a really great idea i don't know that i've made enough quilts my daughter is not so privileged and uh, i don't (laughs) have a ton like i probably i just now i think i have at least two that i have like they're in my laundry room right now so if anything i'm gonna ask you guys you know what is the best way to 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 store those i've heard a lot of different things over the years but what do you guys prefer well one of the things i always like to caution about is storing them in plastic tubs or plastic Mm -hmm. bags or plastic containers of any kind that traps any moisture that might be there Mm -hmm. and you're at risk for mildew and mold and all that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff so it's way better to leave them in something that can breathe fabric of some sort yes and we had that whole episode with carolyn ducey from um the quilt what's the name of it now the International <laughs> Quilt Study Center. Yes, yes, but isn't it now the International Quilt Museum? Uh, it's changed, so I think you're Either right. Way. Yes, yeah. Either way, whatever the name is, it we'll put a link. Yeah, because <laughs> yes. no, it's worth a listen again, like right? just a, yeah, because I had forgotten. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. That's right? where I learned all my info the first time around. <laughs> we talked all about quilt storage and about you know making sure that if the quilt is is sitting for a long time, that you open it up and refold it every few months so that you don't get permanent creases. Uh, we talked about wood hope chests and things like that and about how um, putting the fabric directly on the wood is not a good thing. Um, and so that is an episode that you should probably listen to again. Um, but I don't think I've even seen a pattern for it per se for quilt bags. Have you, Lori? No, I have not. I have not. I think I would just make a like an oversized drawstring bag or an oversized pillowcase type bag just a very simple something very very simple but was large enough to keep everything in the bag what do you think Lori? i think that sounds like a perfect solution Mm -hmm. if you are a listener and you've made bags like this we would sure love to hear from you Um, there's a link in the show notes to our website and all of our information is there, including our web address. And we would love to, you know, know if you've got a pattern that you've used for, um, storing your quilts, that would be really very helpful. So are you guys ready to go talk to Catherine Redford? I am. Can't wait.
Today's guest in our open studio segment is a quilter who you may know from Quilt Festival or Quilt Con. She may have come to your guild for a lecture. Uh, she's an amazing quilting and embroidery teacher, and she's the host of one of our most popular online classes. Welcome to the podcast, Catherine Redford. Well, thanks, Tracy. I've been looking forward to this for a while. It's exciting to be here. We're so glad to have you. So I've known Catherine for, gosh, I don't even know how many years. Uh, we actually lived in the same town in Illinois before I moved here. And so we were in the same guild. We were. Yes, actually two guilds because we were also in the modern quilt guild. Oh, yeah. And um, so I've been blessed enough to see a lot of your work up close and personal and to, you know, have a little quilt envy when I see what you can do. Um, so how are things going now that we're in the midst of this pandemic? And I know you usually travel a lot, don't you? For yeah, teaching. well, things are interesting. You know, I had a really busy spring lined up, um, but I've been home for two weeks. I was out in California when uh, things really started getting hot. And I came home and needed to go shopping and there was no food, but Trader Joe's managed to sort that one out. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I was supposed to go to Des Moines last week and to Connecticut, and I was supposed to fly to England today. So uh, I'm at home and I'm going to be at home for at least 12 weeks. So I'm just trying to keep busy and not waste the time, you know, because usually you think, oh, if only I was at home, I could make that, I could try that, I could do that. And then you find yourself at home and, oh, now what am I going to do? So <laughs> I'm trying, okay, I'm, I'm trying, I'm posting things on Instagram to keep myself accountable and uh, I'm making things. Nice. Yeah. Nice. You, when was the last time you were home for this long of a period of time? I honestly can't remember. I mean, 12 weeks is, is a long time. I was home in December, but my husband and I, we, uh, we decided we'd go away a few times because I was home. So, <laughs> as I, I'm just not usually at home more than two weeks at a time. So wow. It's, it's very strange. I have, to, I have to cook dinner every night, you know? <laughs> oh, gosh, I know. Isn't that oh, yeah. the hardest thing of, like, not being able to? I, we've been trying to order takeout once a week. Oh, and, okay. you know, just to mix it up and to keep some of our small local businesses open and, okay. you know, feel like I'm doing my part. But my goodness, it is a, it is an interesting challenge to be um, cooking dinner every night and from a limited stock. Yeah, you could put it, put it like that. Yeah, I, I make I make crock pot meals so I can put those on in the morning and then I can do my thing. And then it, the house smells as though I've been, you know, thinking about things. <laughs> I always wanted um, quilting magazines to put in crock pot recipes so that, you know, it would give us more time to quilt. Yeah. Well, that's a great <laughs> idea. It's a great idea. Catherine, go ahead. Take it. Take it. <laughs> oh, well, we'll see. So, you know, one of our themes for this month for our um, our brand for Quilting Daily is quilting the quilts. And so as I mentioned in the opening of, you know, introducing you, you have some online classes with us. Ginger, do you want to talk a little bit about those and ask some questions? Yeah, no, uh, I had the pleasure. I've known Catherine for a couple of years now and first got to meet her when she came on set. And actually, I, I take that back. I got to meet her because we did a webinar together and it, to me, was the most fascinating webinar. It was called uh, Lessons Learned While Quilting. And it was literally just listening to her beautiful accent while she told her life story, all about her, her quilting life story. And it was amazing. It was so good. Um, and then after that, we brought her in and she did uh, Walking Foot uh, Quilting Beyond the Ditch. This is a, a workshop that Catherine has done, and it actually is one of our most popular ones. Oh my goodness, it is full of such so much great information and we are going to be running it this month it's coming up it, it's going to be starting on uh, uh april 17th and it runs through may 15th and registration is going to close on um may 1st 
So um, it is up on the Quilting Company site. We'll be sure to be able, we'll put a uh, link to the registration in the notes um, for the podcast. And um, uh-huh, if you guys stick stick to the end of the podcast today, uh, I am going to be announcing a coupon code for $10 off. So nice. stay till the end and, and we'll uh, give you guys a coupon code that you can uh, you can use. Um, and, uh, anyway, I, it was such a pleasure working with Catherine and I learned so much. I, it, it was almost like overwhelming how much I learned and how much I go back to the lessons that the things that you were talking about in that, um, what do you remember about that, uh, uh, in working with us and doing that course, Catherine? Oh, it was so, I, I really enjoyed doing that. Um, got the chance to like start at the beginning making a little block and how to press it and then you know putting it all together and then lots of different all the different quilting things I like to do with the walking foot um the the team was great I got my hair and makeup done every day kept changing my outfit well it was it was a a a few good days and uh, golden such a lovely place to be in as well so I got to enjoy that too yeah, and we're definitely going to have to get you back because now we have a nice, well, hopefully we'll have a nice new shiny studio very soon. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's just the course was packed with so much information. It's got six really deep, deep lessons um, all about mastering uh, using your walking foot for quilting. So I know there's so many of us that uh, have, you know, we I don't have a huge long arm in my house. And, you know, it, ha- being able to just sit down with my machine and create the things that you're teaching in this class and and getting that confidence because I think that's part of it too it is, it is super intimidating so to be able to just kind of learn those basic skills and and put them in you know it's that that memory you know it's like getting it and learning it and doing it and doing it and doing it so it, it was great um yeah I I thoroughly I, I highly recommend everybody go and take this course if you can um yeah tracy and uh, Lori, we're gonna have to get you in there so you can uh, see all those tips <laughs> well i was just thinking then i've got it like a stack of tops that need mm. to be done and maybe i need to go in and and watch this class and and get some of these amazing tips from Catherine. yeah and, and she makes it look so easy and and it really is you just need to get over yourself and get in there and do it <laughs> Well, using your walking foot is easy because, you know, once you know, once you've got it on the machine straight, you know, and you've got your tension sorted out, then uh, you can you can just relax and, and let the machine do the work. And and we've got lots of different ideas. So it's not just straight lines. You, know? you can use all the, the stitches on your machine and different threads and things. And yeah, get some get some tops made into quilts. Yes, I need to do that. (laughs) Yeah, and and it's great for all skill levels. So there is, you know, if you're fresh to it and you've never quilted your own quilt on your domestic machine before, it's so perfect for you because the first couple lessons really start with the basics. And then as each lesson progresses, you learn more and more and and it does get a little bit more uh, in depth. And uh, the skill level, you know, I think even if you're an experienced quilter or if you're a person who sends your stuff out for a long arming, be brave, you know, go in, try it, give it a try. Yeah, you you could start, you know, with um with some uh, table runners and placemats and baby quilts, you know, lap quilts maybe. They're they're a great place to start. So, Catherine, how long have you been um, sewing and quilting? Well, I've been sewing ever since I can remember. So, um, I know that I I started hand embroidery when I was like seven or eight. Um, my mum's best friend auntie barbara across the road she was a seamstress and sewed at home and my mum was a home ec teacher who hated sewing but was really good at it so they would always be making something so i wanted to join in so i know that i was i'd started making clothes when i was 10 i I know that i was using a sewing machine then like to make clothes that i could wear uh, and then sewed all my way through um, my teens made my maternity clothes Wow. Um, I didn't really make quilts uh, until I moved here. And then then I, I met quilters and my daughter was in Girl Scouts and they made a quilt. And I went on the field trip to our local quilt store, signed up for classes. And that was in uh, 1998, I think. So so that's when I started quilting. And I took it seriously you know, from the beginning. Like I wanted to learn everything and I took lots and lots of classes and started teaching in 2003. And here I am today. Wow. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, 
so you were only making garments really yeah, when I, you were younger yeah. yeah i'd make garments and uh i guess i made some curtains or something you know like mm-hmm. by the time by the time i had my third child i did get her um what we called a moses basket like a, mm-hmm. a wicker basket thing with a hood and i made all the the drapes and all the bits and pieces to go on that because in those nice. days you know you could put your baby in those things i don't think you're allowed to do that anymore no, <laughs> i think they still have them <laughs> do they? I, I just yeah yeah because i feel like i've seen them recently oh, right. um what do you guys think do you they still have those that's a thing right i would think so they probably have like plastic versions of them now that look yes. like the, the old ones but yeah are solid i don't plastic. know who knows yeah we'll have to look <laughs> well yeah so yeah so you know so i do i do like things like that and crafty things you know mm-hmm. and make pillows and and stuff but uh yeah i i mean i had to learn that you know a quarter inch seam was the way to go because my first thing i made um for the girl scouts actually i did a five eighths an inch seam allowance so well, why sure wouldn't some- you well, why wouldn't you? I mean, you know, that's that's what I did. I pressed my seams open and and sent it back, and I'm sure somebody pulled it to pieces. And you know, <laughs> Americans are polite, so they didn't tell me that I'd done it wrong. They just sent me on the field trip to find out. So, yeah, I, I've come a long way since then. <laughs> so you travel a lot for um, classes and teaching yes. and doing lectures. Yeah. What is your favorite? lecture or your favorite class to teach okay well at the moment i mean like this week uh, well like two weeks ago i guess because i'm not (laughs) not traveling anywhere this week uh i for my lecture my most popular one right now is i have one called um trip around the world in folk art stitches and that's uh like i do like a game show where people win prizes so i mean guild members love free stuff so so they love the prizes <laughs> but but really mm-hmm. it's about a series of quilts that i made uh, for an exhibit at quilt festival which is 10 quilts and they they uh are all embroidery and they they show folk art from different parts of the world so we take a trip around the world and we look at the quilts and and so people seem to enjoy that one or or i i still do the lessons learned while quilting one that that ginger said those those are my two most popular lectures uh for classes um either my walking foot quilting you know walking foot quilting beyond the ditch that one still sells out and still fills up and you know we have a, that's the last class i taught in california before i came home or I do my uh, introduction to folk art embroidery. And people enjoy that. It's a chance to, you know, sit and sew and there's no machines running and they don't mm-hmm. have to bring a whole lot of stuff to class. I do a kit and, uh, yeah, we we just hand sew. So those are, the, those are the most popular ones at the moment. And then, you know, I do all sorts of other things, but those those are ones that most of the guilds like. So that's what I'm doing. So how long have you been doing embroidery? Because your embroidery is impeccable. Well, well, thank you, Tracy. I enjoy embroidery. I, I must have started doing embroidery when I was seven or eight. I remember being given a, a stamp tablecloth, you know, that you had to do um, mm-hmm. lazy daisy stitch and uh, stem stitch on. And I went to a girls' school for like from fourth grade onwards. So it was all girls. And we did needlework once a week, and we learned embroidery there. So, um, you know, I was I was a well-behaved little girl. I don't know what happened there, but I was very well-behaved <laughs> when I was in fourth grade. And so I worked hard, and uh, I wanted to please my teacher. So I concentrated, and, and I guess that's probably, you know, you don't realize it at the time, but that's that's probably where I learned to do even stitches and just to do lots of stitches and we we were allowed to we learned our stitches but then we were allowed to do very free form embroidery so yeah good times Lori actually just quilted one of her pieces that she did when she was a child right Lori? that's right and it came out really well yeah i'm so pleased with it yeah, have I, you I ever I done sh- anything like that? Do you have any of those pieces from when you were a child? Well, you know, we, uh, my sister and I were clearing out my mum's stuff, and she kept my sister's stuff for some reason. But we don't know what happened to mine. 
Oh, oh, it's a family controversy. Yeah, so oh, I, I, I don't know what happened to uh, some of my earlier, my earlier pieces. You know, there was my purple bell-bottom jeans with all the embroidery <laughs> on them. Now those would yes. be interesting to see again, wouldn't they? They might oh, be back yeah. in style. I was going to say they probably are. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, yeah. Catherine, I'm kind of curious because I feel like your work is so eclectic and it's, it, you know, how do you describe, like, would you consider yourself contemporary, modern, a little bit of both? Like, I'm, I'm kind of curious, uh, you know, how you describe yourself. <laughs> well, that's that's another good question, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I, I usually discuss, um, I usually describe myself as being eclectic. You know, if people push me, what I used to say was, well, contemporary organic, because that sounded sort of uh, a little upmarket. But contemporary because I like the bright colors and I like trying the things. And organic because, oh, whatever whatever grows, grows, you know. So that gave me an excuse for if my corners didn't match or, uh, you know, if it wasn't quite what people were expecting. So I like I, I mean, that. Yeah, so contemporary organic. I mean, I I wouldn't describe myself as a modern quilter, but I wouldn't describe myself as a quilter who enjoys exploring the modern aesthetic. Mm-hmm. You know, I I certainly like the modern aesthetic, the clean lines, the bright colours, um, you know, things like things like that. You know, I, I like my negative space. I've been while I'm at home, I've just been working on uh, trying out some ideas that are just off white. So off-white fabric and, mm. and off-white thread. So, yeah, those those might have been appearing on my Instagram feed. We'll see. We'll see where that takes me. Yeah. Do you feel the need to put yourself in, like, describe your aesthetic? Or do you just do what you love? I do what I love. I mean, mm. you know, people people ask me, so I had to come up with an answer you know, but really I've always just made things because I like making things. You know, I started quilting when I had uh, four children at school at home, you know, so, uh, you know, if it was snowing, they'd come home and that kitchen floor, you'd spend a few hours getting clean, would be dirty again. You'd cook a meal and it was eaten. But if I made something, it stayed made. And I could look at it and think, I made that and it's okay, you know. So it didn't have to be useful. It could just go in the plastic box so I could look at it and think, I made that. And it's still made. It's still finished, you know. (laughs) Short-term goals. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think especially when you've got small kids, that's like, it's a a sanity helper. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was just, you know, making things. I I just, it's very important to me, just that creative part so yeah and 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 now it's become my job so Mm -hmm. I sometimes I think would I be doing this if it wasn't my job you know that's that's really what I've been trying to prove while I'm at home Uh, you know I'm not working to a deadline I'm I'm not working um, to make something that's going to be published or you know anything like that I'm just making things do I still like making things and so far so good that's that's a really important thing. I think I struggle with that sometimes because I, mm-hmm. I feel like I thrive on a deadline. So it usually yeah. helps me get a project finished. Yeah. Um, and often I'm trying new things that I am sort of, you know, pushing a boundary or trying to see yeah. if something is possible. And sometimes those don't get finished. Sometimes I hit an impasse. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, I, I think sometimes that's OK, because like my one daughter, you know, she did... Um, you know chemistry and you know she do experiments and things and sometimes they don't work and that's your answer it doesn't work mm-hmm. and that's okay you just you know either move on try a different idea or you know try the same thing but in a different way you know so so i think i think things not working is actually an answer sometimes yes i agree yeah i agree uh, did any yeah. of your children end up you know catching the sewing bug Hmm. Well, the one daughter, the a, a different daughter, she went off to school to be a speech therapist, and then ended up with a bachelor of fine art, and mm. she was a few credits short of having a minor in fibres. So, you know, I'm inclined to say that we've paid 
uh, to learn how to make quilts when she mm-hmm. went to school. <laughs> yes. So yeah. So yeah. So so she she uh, she she's she can make quilts, but she really she's a graphic designer. But she she does if she has time because she has children now. Uh, she she'll make a quilt for a cause, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she has some great ideas. She's very 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 useful sounding board. Yeah. Interesting. So, Catherine, you said you were uh, making a lot of stuff. What are you working on since you're you're at home? Are you just finishing up unfinished projects, or you got some new stuff in the in the works? Well, I, um, you know, every time you go to market, even though you say you're not going to buy any fabric, you do, don't you? Oh, yes. So, <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, I just needed, uh, you know, a fat quarter stack of Carrie Blumston's, you know, latest uh, mm-hmm. fabrics, you know, and and so those were sitting on the side, and I thought, well, they could sit on the side until they're antique or I could use them. So mm-hmm. I cut those up and I've made it's ended up being I think three baby quilts. I I, I was trying an idea. I'd seen um a mosaic wall and I'd taken a picture of it and worked out which it was a, a commercial tiles, you know, so I, I worked out wh- where the tile actually was and and tried making that into a block and it's okay but I don't, I don't think it's going to be, you know, the next bestseller. But anyway, so there's three, <laughs> two, two are quilted and they're those six inches square. So, and I've tried to quilt them in different ways. So that's interesting. I found, I found a, a little quilt that I think I'd actually made for the online class that I hadn't quilted. So I quilted that and that's fun. I actually combined the organic curves and the spirals into one quilting design. Ooh. Yeah. And that's all with the walking foot, right? All with the walking foot. Yeah, but it was only 24-inch square. So, you know, so if it's only little, then you can spend some time, you know, and – and still get it finished. But that's finished. I finished that with a facing, so it's very nice. Uh, I've started doing some new embroideries. I've drawn up some flower designs. And I'm uh, working my way through those. This morning, I was working on this white piece I mentioned, and that's going to be that's at the moment that's a combination of organic curves and some grids. And I want to add some embroidery. So uh, I've I've done a twenty-inch square piece, and I've just started a twelve-inch piece. And I'm going to try the embroidery on the twelve-inch piece in case I don't like it. Oh, yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah, so that's a few things I've been working on in the last few days. Yeah. Nice. Where's the best place? Where do you normally do you normally post on Instagram? Do you share stuff there? Where's the best place yeah, people I'm, can check I'm, out what I'm, you're working I'm, on? What I'm doing what I've decided to do is I'm because I, I listen to your podcast with uh, you know, Kim. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, she was talking about Instagram. So I thought, well, I could up my I could up my Instagram game. So I've been putting some stuff on Instagram. And uh, and then that shares directly to my Facebook page, you know, like my Catherine Redford mm-hmm. quilter page. So so people see it there as well. And then every so often I'm going to actually do blog posts where I go in more depth as to how I made what I made, you know. So um, I'm, I'm overdue for a blog post at the moment. So perhaps I'll be doing that in the next couple of days. You know, my husband's working from home and I have to look busy. You know, he's getting paid for what he's doing. So he's working quite hard. And, and I sort of, I feel, well, if he's working, I should be working. So so that's that's good, you know. That, that's egging me on a bit. So keep him, yeah. Well, I feel terribly guilty because I wasn't following you yet. And I just literally oh. followed you. So yay! I'm so excited. <laughs> well, well, well hopefully it. it's more worth following me now than it was two weeks ago. <laughs> That's you know, great. Cause, yeah, because uh, I'm trying. I'm trying. But well, you know, my, mom would are, say I'm, you know? my mom would say I'm, I was a very trying child. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us, Catherine. You have just been a delight to uh, speak with today. And um, we will have links to all of your pages on our show notes page so our listeners can follow you. Well, thank you. Should I go ahead and give the coupon code now? Sure. While we're here. Okay. So for $10 off, if you go to Quilting Daily and we'll put a link to the uh, actual registration page, you want to just use coupon code QAT for Quilt and Tell 10. So capital Q, capital A, capital T 10. Um, So definitely use that to get $10 off. And then 
Catherine, I think even as an added bonus, I'm going to hunt down and find the lessons learned while quilting, uh, the webinar. And if you're Mm -hmm. cool with it, I'm going to go ahead and put that in as like a bonus to the course itself. Oh, that sounds great. Awesome. It's so good, everybody. I mean, it's worth taking the course just to hear that webinar because it's it's just so lovely. Like it really is. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And and if you uh, liaise with me, perhaps we can put the link on my website. So in my buttons down the right hand side of my website. I'll yes. have a link so that you we'll can get you find all updated. it, you know, and, and we'll we'll be good to go. Yeah, that'll be fun. That sounds perfect. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Tracy. Thanks, Ginger. Thanks, Laurie. Today's Fine Finishes segment is brought to you by Handy Quilter. We would like to welcome our friend Debbie Brown to our podcast. And our question today is going to be, can you quilt a quilt? without using ribbon candy. And if you do, is it really any good? You can tell we like customized this question for Debbie Brown, right? Why, yes, we did. (laughs) Well, there's a rumor going around that ribbon candy is the world's most perfect machine quilting design. Did you start start that rumor? I did, (laughs) I did. And, and while I have completed quilts without using ribbon candy, they do leave me feeling a little empty inside. It just happens to be my favorite machine quilting design. So whenever I look at a quilt, the first thing I do is decide where the ribbon candy goes and then fill in the other parts. It's just my go-to <laughs> design. Everyone has one. That's mine. That was going to be my next question was, was, do you think everyone should have a trademark design that they try to use on every quilt? Um, I don't think we should limit ourselves in quilting. Uh, I have had quilts that didn't have ribbon candy on them that have surprised me, that I was sure that I was going to use ribbon candy in the machine quilting. So I didn't want to limit myself and limit my creativity to have to add a have to have on my machine quilting list. But it is nice to have something comfortable in your back pocket that you can just pull out whenever you need it. So have you ever, so when you've done a quilt that didn't have ribbon candy, did you do it as sort of a challenge to yourself or was there a specific reason why you couldn't use that design? The answer is both. Occasionally, a quilt just won't necessarily lend itself to it, especially if I'm doing an edge to edge, a very simple one pattern all over an entire quilt that happens to not be ribbon candy. But I have been challenged uh, by a student. What would you do on this quilt if you couldn't use ribbon candy? And my first reply is, I don't choose to live in a world where I can't quilt with ribbon candy, (laughs) but she persisted. So I did. I quilted that quilt without ribbon candy. I quilted swirls in, in straight lines. Now ribbon candy is that, that Christmas candy, that um, the thin candy that folds back on itself. It's so sweet. And it's just, it's loops that go up and down and up and down. It's similar to a wishbone design, except Mm -hmm. it doesn't cross over. I use it in a lot of borders. I I love free motion quilting it. And it's really soothing for me to use. So on this quilt that I had previously quilted 10 or 12 times using only ribbon candy, I quilted swirls in place of the ribbon candy. And it didn't really have the same effect on the quilt. Uh, One thing that ribbon candy does for the design is with those loops at the top and the bottom so tightly together, it acts as stitch in the ditch on your borders. So when I did swirls, I didn't have that stitch in the ditch impact. So there was a little puff coming from the next border over. If you can picture a few borders next to each other, uh, that uh, there was a little puff coming in, in V's in between the swirls, you know, where circles touch, they touch at a point in the middle instead of going all the way out into the border. So I did have to go back afterward and stitch that area in the ditch to have the effect I was looking for. And as soon as I was done quilting that quilt, I made another one and then quilted it the right way with ribbon candy. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say that it, it's, a, you know, that that it's pretty forgiving as far as like because you are able to kind of hit those ditches and, and, and it covers a lot of ground, it sounds like, too. It does. It's very, very forgiving. Whenever people look at, at ribbon candy, and I've been doing this for probably 20 years, people are like, wow, it's really perfect. And my answer is, wow, it's really not. Uh, because <laughs> they're, they're looking at the overall effect of all of these loops next to each other in a border. 
and they're seeing the overall effect. What they're not looking at is, well, that third one from the left is a little crooked, which is the way they look at it when they stitch it themselves. And I'm talking about my students. So they look at mine and think it's perfect, which it's not. Uh, I don't even shoot for perfect. I shoot for fun. Uh, and the texture comes along for free. That's really all I'm looking for. So you're basically saying I have about 17 years and then I can say that it's, you know, not perfect too. <laughs> uh, no, I'm the slowest <laughs> learner out there. Uh, I I can get you up to speed much more quickly than that. Nice. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so, Debbie, how many quilts do you make a month? Oh, wow. Uh, on the month's where I'm home more often. Um, I've been traveling for Handy Quilter for 14 years. So on the months where I spend more than half the month at home, I may make five or six quilts. How wow. big of quilts are you talking about? I'll probably throw size. Oh my goodness. I know, right? Wow. She's prolific. <laughs> I don't really have much of a life. You know, that whole cooking, <laughs> cleaning, shopping thing, social life, don't have one. Uh, I just quilt. That doesn't sound bad. No, no, no it doesn't sound bad at all. You didn't hear a complaint coming after that, did you? <laughs> you know, so I, I, I try and catch your Facebook lives and even when you're on other people's pages doing a live session as often as possible. Um, but if people, our listeners, are looking to start following you, learn more about Ribbon Candy, where should they go to learn? I know Handy Quilter's got a bunch of videos, too, on their website as well, I was well, going right? to say, first, they should go to Handy Quilter. I do a lot of videos for Handy Quilter, and they have access to my videos as well. They have a really well-packed YouTube channel, tons of education, uh, because Handy Quilter knows that whenever someone buys a long arm quilting machine, what they really want is someone to partner with them to help them learn to quilt. So um, Handy mm -hmm. Quilter as the corporation is going to partner. That's um, one of the ways they partner with their quilters. Uh, as for me personally, my name is easy to find. I'm easy on every social media platform. My name is Debbie Brown and I make quilts. So if you can spell my name and write quilts after it, that is my handle on every social media platform from YouTube to Twitter to Facebook to Pinterest to everything. And it's Debbie with a Y. It is. E. That is correct. Yes. My, my mother spelled my name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter says that about me. Well, my my, my maiden name was super long, so she didn't want to give me any any more letters in my first name than necessary. So. so is your proper name Debbie and not Deborah? No, my proper name is Deborah Short Version. D-E-B-R-A. Uh -huh. So having Debbie with the I-E would make my nickname longer than my given name. <laughs> gotcha. And with a big old German last name, my mother couldn't really see the point of that. Uh, I see. Uh -huh. So well, you totally married your husband for the brown last name, right? <laughs> I did. I definitely I married up. Um, my, <laughs> my sister won, though. Her husband's last name is only four letters long. So she beat me. Oh. Nice. Wow. Nice. So one of the cool things that Handy Quilter is doing right now is they're doing a virtual quilt show. A cyber quilt show, yes. Mm -hmm. A cyber quilt show, yeah. We need to put the the link for that in our show notes page because there are a lot of people staying home and missing all the fun of quilt shows. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't consider spring spring. I consider spring as quilt show season, as in, honey, right. I'll see you in two yes. months. Right. <laughs> exactly. I'm home and there there are no quilt shows, there's no events, there's nothing happening. So it's so wonderful that the education is out there and the community is out there and the sales are out there too, because that's why people go to quilt shows. Yes. So how is the cyber quilt show working? How does that, how do people participate? Well, you go to cyberquiltshow.com and you can read all of the information there that Handy Quilter provides. But it's also very interactive. So Handy Quilter does provide uh, education, and I have a lot of videos on there. So you would see you'd see my home studio, which was interesting to clean that corner before I filmed it. <laughs> a pro. A I pro. so prefer filming in the Handy Quilter studio because it's so much prettier. Uh, so you can get all of that from Handy Quilter. But the interactive part is we want to see your quilts as well. Because we're missing that quilt show where we get a, 
we get that show and tell. We get the, mm-hmm. oh, this is what so-and-so is doing. Or even the person you run into at the quilt show while you're waiting in line at the restroom and they're pulling out their phone to show you pictures of their quilts. So we're not getting any of that while we're each stuck home alone. And that's where we're getting it online. So you can upload your own quilts and see quilts that other people have uploaded. So we have quilts from different quilt shows of the past. We have educator quilts up there. We have um, quilt collections up there, but we also have user quilts up there, your quilts. We want your quilts up there. So do these have to be quilts that were quilted by a handy quilter or can it be anything? Any quilt. That's what a quilt show is. Nice. I like how inclusive it is. Oh, yes. my God. Handy Quilter is all about the quilters. We just, oh, we, yes. just we just want to help quilters quilt. There's no uh, there's no keyword to log in to watch any of this. You don't have to be an owner to watch any of our videos. This is free for everybody. Well, I know Lori and I did a sneak peek for Handy Quilter uh, a few months ago, and we got to play on the new Capri. Woo-hoo. And it was delightful. Isn't it just... Yeah, so good. I'm not going to tell anybody, but it's still at our office. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be right Right there. I know it's in the Fort Collins office, not in the golden office. So we've been a little closer to me. I might, I might, might, I don't know. I have to like uh, fear, you know, I don't know if I can break out or not. (laughs) (laughs) The thing that I love about that machine is about how you can adjust the height and you can use it standing up or you can sit down with it. It's just so nice. And even when sitting down, the adjustability is nice for our eyesight, for our height, Mm -hmm. for our chair. Mm -hmm. Uh, So many students ask me, what is the right height to set this up at? And I'm like, what are your glasses set at? How tall are you? What (laughs) chair are you using? So Mm -hmm. it's wonderful that it is so adjustable to make it comfortable for each individual quilter. I know Agreed. I'm taller than the average quilter. So if I set up machines at a show at my height, most quilters are going to be quilting with their knuckles over their heads. Uh, so I have to kind of put them a little lower. Uh, but it's it's very easy to move and change uh, until you settle in on what is the right height for you. Agreed. Now, do you have a go-to machine? Are you more sit down? You more, or you just kind of work with whatever they give you? I work with whatever they give me. Uh, right okay. now, um, I'm a little bit limited with what machines I have access to. I'm rebuilding my house. So it was destroyed last year. So I have two machines left in my house. I got rid of all the other ones. So I have a Handy Quilter Forte, which is the 24-inch long-arm machine, movable machine on a frame. And then I also have the Handy Quilter Home Sewing Machine. Those are the two that I'm working with right now. So in our last segment, I was actually mentioning that I've got kind of a stack of quilt tops that need to be finished. And sometimes it's kind of a daunting task to look at the quilts. And especially, I mean, I we get amazing quilts in the office every day. And so sometimes I feel like it's intimidating. It's intimidating when you see these beautifully quilted quilts and, you know, my skills aren't there. So, you know, I think the goal in making quilts is finishing them right so whether it's yeah so whether it's for you know a baby quilt for the person who's having a baby like ginger just finished one or you know just for our kids like Lori does for her family every christmas is a big giant you know quilt party and everyone gets a quilt what are your tips for finishing and quilts and for just sort of getting past that intimidation factor Well, first, decide where the ribbon candy goes. (laughs) (laughs) But after that, if ribbon candy is not your game, remember that no one other than you is looking at the machine quilting. When you give a quilt to someone, the person who looks at it is going to say, wow, look at these red and blue squares. They're not going to say, oh, the stitch is a little wobbly in this corner. It's really not the first thing people notice. So you're the only one that's being critical of yourself and your self-criticism is keeping someone else from enjoying that quilt. Well said. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. That's a really good point. I think sometimes we get so, like our nose has been so close to every step of making the quilt top that we notice every little, you know, Mm -hmm. misstitch and point. Why do we quilt quilts in the first place? To make quilts for people we love. But we quilt them to hold the batting in place. That's true. That's true. 
So if you Literally. just, if you sew a button in every corner of your blocks, your quilt is done. True. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So we have, we have fulfilled the purpose of the quilting. We've held the batting in place. Anything else you do after that is gravy. <laughs> That's true. That is true. So if you stitch a wavy line through your quilt, which is really fun to do, if you put a quilt on a long arm on a frame, and you take your machine and wiggle it in your hands as you're walking across the machine, you know, as you're walking down the length of the machine and moving it, you have wiggly lines going across your quilt. And people go, wow, that's really cool. And you'll go, yeah, it took me about an hour. And you, <laughs> and you get all your steps in, too. Exactly. <laughs> and you never leave that 12-foot section of your room. Um, right. Nice. I just need 12 feet now. Exactly. <laughs> or just get a Capri. There, there you go. go. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> no, I just but, start with what you know how to do. Most people have some sort of comfort level, whether it's making a star or a loop, a swirl, a straight line. Uh, a lot of people are more comfortable with rulers than they are with free motion quilting. Rulers are really popular. So pick the one thing you're comfortable with, have that be your go-to, and then tweak it from there. So if you're really comfortable with stars, you can say, ooh, I'm going to do a little something crazy on this quilt and do a star and then a loop. Um, and then you'll do a star, a loop, and a swirl. So you know, start with what you know and build on it from there instead of reinventing the quilting process for each quilt. That is such good advice. Debbie, you are the best. Oh, go on. (laughs) (laughs) You know how much we love you. I adore you right back. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being part of our Fine Finishes segment. You are the very first guest to join us. I'm so happy to be here with you. Well, we just had to have you. So it's just perfect. So if people are interested in learning more about a handy quilter, uh, long arm machine or sewing machine, they should go to their local retailer, right? How can they find um, the local retailer in their area? If you go to handyquilter.com, there's a located retailer section and you can type in your postal code and it will tell you within how many miles who your local retailers are. And give you their website so you can contact them through there. That's fantastic. And Thank they you. Deliver, right? <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. I don't know. Is that an essential service? <laughs> it is. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. And thank you, ladies. It's been a great podcast. Yes. Thank you. Yes, so yes. glad I got to meet you, Debbie. Oh, you too. Thanks for having me. Happy quilting. Thanks so much for listening to Quilt and Tell. Remember, you can find more information about our sponsors or what we talked about today in our show description. If you haven't already subscribed, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please tell your friends. Thanks for listening and happy quilting. The Quilt and Tell podcast is produced by me, Tracy Mooney, and our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.